0: Welcome, everybody, to Tokens of Wisdom. I'm your host, Dave Rothschild, a partner at Cole Freeman & Mallon, a boutique law firm based in San Francisco with one of the leading private fund practices on the West Coast. Before we dive into the episode, like always, please listen to the disclaimer at the end of the show. Nothing I say here is legal, investment, or tax advice. All right, let's gear up for a very exciting episode. Today, we're going to tackle what is probably the number one question I get from aspiring digital asset fund managers. How do I access non-US exchanges or token projects that prohibit participation by US persons? Well, the short unsatisfying lawyer answer is, it depends. There is no silver bullet solution that works for all managers or all funds. Even if there was, there's no guarantee that the exchanges don't figure that out and change their rules tomorrow to cut off that path. But before we can really dive into this issue, we need a bit of background. The United States has one of the world's most developed and sophisticated legal regimes. There is much uncertainty about how digital assets fit into that regime see, for example, every episode we've ever recorded. Market participants in the digital asset world often seek to avoid U.S. regulatory scrutiny, and they think they can do that by avoiding any nexus to the U.S. If there's no U.S. customers on the exchange and you don't let U.S. persons participate in token projects, then maybe you'll avoid scrutiny. After all, Uncle Sam is out to protect U.S. investors. If they don't do business with U.S. investors, maybe Uncle Sam will leave them alone. So if you're a U.S.-based fund manager or you run a fund with U.S. person investors, how do you access these exchanges? Changes or projects. Well, last episode, we talked all about counting, which is always off-putting for a lawyer. We are terrible at math, but fear not, lawyers listening. Today, we're in your domain, reading. That's right. In order to figure out what you need to do, or if you can even access these exchanges and projects, you'll have to identify everywhere you want to trade or invest and very closely read their requirements and how they phrase their US person prohibition. There is no consistent definition of US person that is used across the various exchanges and token projects. I mean, even under US law, there are myriad different US person definitions. There's a Securities Act definition of US person. There's an Internal Revenue Code definition of US person. There's a CFT definition of U.S. person, and I'm sure there are many, many more. There's no consistent definition. Some of these definitions are keyed off of where the fund is formed, others off of where investment decisions are made, others based on having any U.S. person investors in the fund structure at all. So in order to figure out whether you can access a given exchange or whether you can participate in a given token project, you have to very closely read the onboarding agreement or the token purchase agreement to figure out what's prohibited and whether there's a way that you can structure around it. There are a few potential solutions, that could work. So the first and easiest option is a master feeder fund structure. You have a master fund that's domiciled offshore, feeder funds onshore and offshore, and your trading entity is the master fund. It's a non-U.S. entity. It's formed in an offshore jurisdiction and you take the position that as a result, it's not a U.S. person. This is certainly the easiest of the solutions to implement, but it's also the least likely to hold water in the vast majority of cases. Simply having an entity that was formed outside the U.S. is unlikely to satisfy the U.S. person prohibition of most of these exchanges and token projects. Another option is to gain synthetic exposure, either via a participation agreement or a total return swap. You identify an offshore vehicle willing to purchase the assets you want, and you agree on the back end to pay that vehicle in exchange for economic exposure to those assets. This can work really well if all the conditions are right. And then there are a bunch of bespoke solutions. I've seen a number of these proposed to clients of mine or to other industry participants. I think they are not often used for a couple of reasons. One is they can be very expensive. Two is it's uncertain the extent to which they work today. And three is it's super uncertain the extent to which they will work tomorrow or next week. But a couple examples, you can form an offshore trust and engage independent trustees for that trust. And then the trust itself owns management shares in an offshore corporation, which does the trading you want to do. I've seen products in offshore jurisdictions where an offshore entity forms subsidiaries and then offers a debt arrangement where your fund essentially loans money to this entity in order to pursue its trading activities. This is a clear need in the market, so I expect to see more and more options coming online all the time. But like I said, some are very expensive, some don't work today, and all of them might not work tomorrow. Some US funds and managers will not be able to access certain exchanges or certain token projects without breaching representations and warranties in the onboarding agreement or token purchase agreement, which begs the next question I get all the time. What's the big deal if I breach a rep? I've even had folks tell me that people at the various exchanges or token projects have said things like, oh, don't worry, just check the box at says you're not a US person, we don't really dig into those details. Then those people come to me and say, well, certainly if the company is telling me it's no big deal to breach a rep, it's it's got to be no big deal, right? Well, to repurpose one of my mom's favorite analogies, if someone told you it's no big deal to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge, would you do it? It is a very bad idea to make false representations in any agreement, but it's an even worse idea here for at least two very specific reasons. Number one, so much counterparty risk. Even without breaching anything, you are accepting significant counterparty risk by doing business with these exchanges. As my partner Carl Cole Freeman likes to say, these exchanges are not JP Morgan. Even in the best of cases, you're dealing with questionably capitalized entities, lightly regulated at best, often based in faraway jurisdictions with uncertain avenues of legal recourse. Just ask customers of FTX, BlockFi, Voyager, et cetera, if counterparty risk is real in the digital asset space. Making a false representation on top of all that counterparty risk gives these exchanges contractual justification to take action against you, against your account, and against your assets. It takes that already substantial counterparty risk and magnet, it. This would be like going to Las Vegas, hitting up the ATM and withdrawing all of your life savings, going to the roulette table, putting all that money on black, and then punching the dealer in the face before they can spin the wheel. Is that a good idea? Probably not. Will you get your money back? Who knows? Second reason it's an even worse idea here is that you might be putting the value of your investment at risk simply by participating. Putting aside the counterparty risk, you are a US person. Like I said a few minutes ago, dear old Uncle Sam is out to protect you. The more US persons that participate in these exchanges or that buy these tokens, the more likely U.S. regulators are to start scrutinizing the issuers. And that's exactly what these exchanges and issuers are seeking to avoid. What do you think is going to happen to the value of the tokens you bought if the SEC dings the issuer for an unregistered sale of securities? So in summation, if you want to access exchanges or projects that bar U.S. persons, engage a competent lawyer, meticulously review onboarding documentation, and make structuring determinations from there. One final point, be sure you are disclosing to your investors what 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 you are doing and the risks involved in doing so. Well, now that all that boring regulatory analysis is out of the way, it's time for the part you've all been waiting for. The legal disclaimer. In this show, I describe laws and regulations from a 10,000-foot view, and while this should be obvious to most, I need to say it nonetheless. This show is for informational purposes only, and nothing said here constitutes legal investment or tax advice. If you're thinking about starting a fund or you're curious about what's involved, the show is a good resource as you explore your options. But if you're going to pull the trigger and launch a fund, please engage an attorney to assist you. Thanks for listening to Tokens of Wisdom with Dave Rothschild. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like, follow, and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends about us. Last but not least, if you have any questions about what we discussed today, feel free to send us an email at tow at colefreeman.com, spelled out in the show notes.